0: All right, we're in week number two of this series we started entitled The Presence, and if you are just now joining us, if you're one of our special guests, we're glad to have you with us in person or online. And if you don't know yet, this year God gave us a prophetic word, and he's calling us to abide in his presence. If you have not... Uh, seeing the word of the Lord, the, the prophetic word God has given us, you can go to our app. It's right there on the app. Hit your dashboard. You'll be able to see it right there on your dashboard. Or if you want a printed copy of it, stop at our Next Steps counter, and they'll be glad to give you a printed copy of it. But specifically, one of the things that God says to us in this prophetic word is that he's instructing us to become his shadow and move when he moves, but stay still when he's staying still. How many know that you have never seen a shadow in a place that is different from the figure that is attached to you? You've never seen a shadow outside and the person that's supposed to be attached to is inside. So what God is saying is become his shadow. That means that all year long we should only allow ourselves to be in places where God would actually choose to be. So before you go there, ask, well, would God go here? If you're there, turn around and ask yourself, is God here with me? And if he's not, then let's escape from that spot and get to a place where we know God would be because we are abiding in his presence all year long. Now, the word of the Lord for our home church, Church of the Highlands, is that 2024 is going to be a year of miracles. How many declare we receive that one for us, too? We, we receive that flowing down from Church of the Highlands down to Impact Church as well. But can I tell you, even the miracles we're talking about are going to be tied to our life in the presence of God we've been telling this for these last several weeks as we were setting this, this series up. In the presence of God, we can expect to, number one, be led by his presence. We talked about that last week. Number two, be healed in his presence. We're going to talk about that one today. Be empowered by his presence. And we can expect to be prospered in his presence. Luke chapter 21, verse 7 says, So they asked him, saying, Teacher... When will these things be? Jesus is talking about the end times. He's telling them some some things that are going to come to pass at the end. And they want to know when are these things going to happen and what sign will there be when these things are about to take place? So what they're really asking is, you're telling us stuff that's going to happen in the very last days. How will we know when we're almost there? And what he says is this in verse 8, take heed that you not be deceived. For many will come in my name saying, I am he, and that the time has drawn near. But don't go after them. He said, but when you hear of wars and commotions, do not be terrified. Tell your neighbor, don't you dare be afraid. Dare be afraid. Come on, tell them like me. Don't you, don't you dare be afraid. He said, for these things must come to pass, but the end will not come immediately. Then he said to them, watch this, nation, still talking about what will happen at the very end. Nation will rise against nation. If you look that phrase nation up. It, uh, the word nation, is a Greek word, ethnos, E-T-H-N-O-S, and it means ethnic group. And so this is not talking about, you know, United States versus Iraq or some other country. When it says nation against nation, it's saying ethnic group will rise against ethnic groups. One of the signs of the last days is racial tension. Then he says, and kingdom or Basilia against kingdom. That's one nation against another, the way we think of nations. And also in the last days, there will be earthquakes in a lot of different places, There will be famines. Famines are shortages or recessions taking place. And he says in the last days, there's going to be something called pestilences. And there will be fearful sights and great signs from the heavens. Pestilences, according to the Merriam's Webster Dictionary, is a contagious or infectious epidemic disease that is virulent. A contagious or infectious epidemic disease that is virulent and devastating. In other words, this is a disease that one person contracts it and they can breathe it onto somebody else and it spreads like wildfire. I mean, we've been seeing that in the last several years. We've seen diseases like SARS and Ebola, the Zika virus, and the most recent one that we are all familiar with, the last four years now, we've had to deal with this thing called the COVID virus. And can I just tell you that these things are all signs of the last days, not only are those things signs of the last days. When we talk about wars and commotions or rumors of wars, I just need you to be praying and paying attention. Don't just realize that life is not a playground, it's a battleground. Amen. I'm going to need a better amen than that. Amen. Even if you don't have anything you are believing God for during these 21 days of prayer, there's enough stuff happening in the world that we need you praying along with us. And there's three, three areas of the, of, the, of the world I want you to just be paying attention to in prayer. One is the war happening over in Ukraine that is backed by Russia. The other is the war happening over in Israel, the Israel-Gaza conflict, that even though it's called the Israel-Gaza conflict, Iran is really the one behind that one. And then yesterday, Taiwan voted to reinstate the existing ruling party, and China is not happy about it. And so as we are praying, I need you to be paying attention to what's happening over there in China, because those are three different fronts. That the enemy is attempting to pull the United States in different directions. And what keeps the United States safe and solid is not the brilliance of our military. It's the prayers of the righteous that avail much. I'm going to need you to wake up and give me a better amen than that somebody. The Bible says these are the things that are going to happen in the last days. In fact, right after Easter, I'm going to do a series called The Finish Line. I'm going to spend some time talking about the signs and the things we need to pay attention to as we head toward the end. But in the last days, God tells us to have no fear. Say it again. I will not fear. fear." Say it again. I will not not fear. fear. And the reason why we don't have to fear is because our God, watch this, he's our protector. Can I get amen? Amen. He's our provider. He's our deliverer. He's our comforter. And I like this one right right here. He's our healer. (laughs) Come on. He's our healer, man. (laughs) Have no fear. He is our healer. Psalm 103, verse 1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and don't you dare forget all of his benefits. What are those benefits, God? Number one, he forgives all of your iniquities. Number two, he heals all of your diseases. Anybody glad that God forgives all of our iniquities? Amen. Come on. Anybody glad that he don't have, like, you got, you got nine iniquities, I'll forgive, and after you on your own. Because <laughs> truth be told, we would all already gone over our limit this week. <laughs> He heals all of our iniquities, but I love this. He also heals all, not most, not some. He heals all. He heals every single. He heals even the ones the doctor says are incurable. He heals all. He, he heals all every single solitary one of our disease. So whatever they said you have, you don't have to start planning your funeral. You don't have to start planning and just live with this and adjust to this the rest of your life because he heals all of our diseases. Listen to this. Healing proceeds from the presence of God because the anointing flows from God's presence. The reason why healing flows from God's presence is because the anointing flows from God's presence. Now, I'm going to spend the next 25 minutes or so talking about, and I want to de-spookify this word called the anointing. Isaiah chapter 10 verse 27 says, it shall come to pass in that day. Everybody shout That day is this day now the day that he's talking about is not like sunday or thursday he's talking about the day of salvation all the old testament was always pointing to that day and the day he was referring to is when messiah would show up and messiah would come and die for the sins of mankind messiah is jesus would die for the sins of mankind be raised from the dead and once he's raised from the dead, it really drops us back off in genesis chapter 2 so that now all the benefits that Adam had in Genesis chapter 2 before sin showed up, we have that right today. And so what Isaiah is saying is, it may be bad right now, but there's coming in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder. And his yoke is going to be taken away from your neck. And the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. King James just says anointing. New King James says because of the anointing oil. The word anoint from Oxford's Dictionary means to smear or to rub with oil, typically as part of a religious ceremony. It it literally means to smear or rub something with another substance. So we talk about the word anoint. We're not talking about, ooh, I felt something. The word anoint means to smear or to rub with oil or literally to smear or rub something with another substance. Substance. People always get confused when you start talking about this word, anointing. When we talk about something being anointed, it's not a feeling of goosebumps. If you got goosebumps, that don't mean that there was an anointing in there. The air conditioning could have been down too far. <laughs> when we talk about anointing, it's not talking about being impressed with somebody's delivery. We hear people sing all the time, and say, oh, they were so anointed because they were doing all kind of runs. And oh, <laughs> Sometimes you can do so much in a song that I can't see Jesus because I'm too busy looking at you. Don't get mad at me. So, and I'm not saying that you can't be really good and talented when you sing and still be anointed. But just because somebody's delivery is impressive doesn't mean it's anointed. It's not being moved by the spectacular nature of what somebody does. Just because they prayed on folks and people fell down, or they bre- breathed their breath on folks and they fell down, their breath might not have been the best. <laughs> there are some people that have breathed on me and I almost fell down. <laughs> Sit next to me, come on, somebody. <laughs> Point I'm making is that 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 the being impressed by the spectacular doesn't mean that it is anointed. It is literally when we talk about something being anointed, it's recognizing that God has smeared some of who He is on them. And when you know that he has smeared some of who he is on them, then what the result is, it causes burdens to be removed and it causes yokes to be destroyed. If there's no burdens being removed and no yokes being destroyed, it's impressive, but that don't mean it's anointed. Now, what is a burden? I mean, it's it's easy what a burden is. You know, a burden is something that is just heavy. There's some people in your life that can be a burden. You just, you, you weighing me down. A burden means it's heavy or a heavy load, but a yoke, let me describe what a yoke is. A yoke is a device, back in this day they understood this, it was an agricultural society. And a yoke is a device that they would and still today put on the neck of two oxen or two cows, two bulls that are plowing a field. I think we got a picture of a yoke. This is what a yoke looks like. There are different types of yokes, but a a yoke is a device they put on the necks of two cows. One would be on this side and the other would be on that side. And the goal, watch this, is to make sure they go in the same direction. We got another picture with two oxen that have a yoke on their neck. Now watch this. The one on the right side can't go that way without the one on the left side going that way. And typically, whichever one is strongest is going to determine which direction they go. When I watch this, he says that the burden is going to be removed when the anointing shows up. The yoke will be destroyed when the anointing shows up. let's, Let's bring it to modern times. We're not talking about plowing the field. That's not what he's talking about. He's not saying that when the anointing shows up, you won't have to plow a field anymore. What he's saying is that there can be things in your life that's taking you somewhere you know you don't want to go. I mean, alcohol and drug addiction can take you places you really don't want to go. And we can end up feeling guilty, we feel bad, so we try to hide it, we try to cover it up, try to keep anybody else from knowing. But the truth of the matter is, if you're born again in your heart, you don't want to go where that drug and alcohol addiction is taking you pornography, addiction, can take you somewhere that you really don't want to go. can have you sitting in front of a computer and, and, and looking up images and having your phone flooded with images. And sometimes while you have a loving spouse in the other room that you're not touching because you become more addicted to what you see than what you have. I'm preaching better than you just saying amen. There are lots of things that can become a yoke in our lives. Infidelity can become a yoke. It can take you somewhere you don't want to go. It can take you somewhere to destroy your family. It can take you somewhere to hurt the people around you, to sacrifice what you said matters the most. I mean you no know, anger can become a yoke. I I, I, I didn't mean that I, I didn't mean to say that. I, I didn't mean to call you that. Well, anger can end up causing you to do things that in your heart of heart you never would have done if you didn't let yourself get worked up. I mean, uh, the, the need for attention can become a yoke. I mean, the, I don't have to list them all. We can all think, if I gave you t- 10 minutes, we can all think of probably 7, 8, 10, 15 other vices that become a yoke that can take us places we don't want to know. But I'm going to give you one that we may not think of. Sickness can become a yoke. When sickness kicks in, all of a sudden now, I can't live life the way God intended me to live life. Now I'm having to spend two or three days of my week going to get these kidneys drained because they're not functioning like they should. Now I'm having to spend time wearing a a heart monitor and there's certain activities I can't participate in. Thank God for, for medical science because medical science keeps us alive while we're believing God for healing. But what I'm trying to say to you is that when the anointing shows up, come on, the burden, the heavy load can be removed. Come on, somebody. And whatever yoke that's trying to take you somewhere God did not prescribe for your life, it can be destroyed because the anointing can destroy that yoke. Yeah. 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 we got to become more accustomed to, more addicted to, have more confidence in the anointing. In Mark chapter 16, verse 17, it says, these miraculous signs, watch this will accompany those who believe. I have any believers in here? Let me ask you this way. Anybody believe that Jesus Christ is Lord? Keep your hand up. Don't put it back down. You believe he's Lord. Anybody believe that that God is still healing today? Anybody believe that God wants people free from sickness and disease, whether they are saved or not? All right, you can put your hand down. These signs will follow those who believe. Notice it didn't say that these signs will follow pastors who have graduated from ministry school. And it says these signs will follow those that have a title in front of their name. The signs I'm getting ready to read, the Bible that you brought in here with you says these are the signs that will follow the people that just had their hand raised and say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God's power. I believe he still heals today. These are the signs that will follow those people. They will cast out demons in my name. That ought to help you fix the family right there. Come on, somebody. (laughs) They will speak with new languages or with new tongues. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poisonous. Now, I added a word here, accidentally. (laughs) This ain't the time to go proving your faith. Come on. (laughs) You realize when this was written, they didn't have pure water like we have pure water today. Any water they drank could have been the final blow because it was a lot more dangerous then than it is now. If they drink anything poisonous accidentally, then it will not harm them or hurt them. Then this is the part I want you to get right here. These people that believe, they will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they what? They will be healed. They, be healed. they might be healed. There's a possibility it could be healed. If and it be the Lord's will, they'll be healed. No, he said they, these people that believe, they can put their hands on sick people, and they will be healed. Didn't say that you have healing power in your hands. Didn't say that you are the healer, but you can become a conduit. To where see, 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 Jesus is at the right hand of the throne, seated by the Father. He's no longer physically walking around here, but there are billions of people on this earth. So for those billions of people to come into contact with the power of God that can heal them, God needs agents to go out. And all He said I need you to do is not act like you're super spiritual. He didn't say they will be healed if you prayed at least you know for the last twenty five days straight. He said they'll be healed if you've done everything just right. He said that they will be healed because you put your hands on them and God's power can flow through us so that God can work a miracle in their life. I'm preaching better than you saying amen. Amen. The the King James Version literally says they shall recover. That's key because I want to bring you back to that. See, laying on of hands is not some weird or spooky doctrine. It's not. Men have made it spooky sometimes with excess. Some of the things that men and women do to create attention and to feel, to to seem more spectacular than we should be, ends up making certain things feel spooky. But really, Hebrews 6 says laying on of hands is really one of the elementary doctrines of Christianity. So there's nothing spooky about it. Laying on of hands, listen, this is simply a point of contact. It's the place, listen, I want you to get this, it's the place where we turn on the switch of faith if I can say it another way, it's the place where we begin to believe. You know how you know how you start of a race and they hit the gun, the gun said, pow, that's when you take off. You don't take off before that. Hopefully you don't take off too far after that. But when the gun sounds, it's the place where you take off. When laying on of hands is the point of contact where we can go back and say, as of the 14th of January at 9.30 a.m., that's where I started to believe. It's a point of contact. It's where we turn on the switch of faith. It's the place where we start to believe God. Mark chapter 5, I'll give you an example here. Verse 25, there was a woman who had suffered terribly from severe bleeding for 12 years, even though she had been treated by many doctors. She had spent all of her money, But instead of getting better, she got worse all the time. But she heard, she had heard about Jesus. Now, can I tell you, this is one of the benefits of telling people about Jesus, even during their good times. Because when tough times hit, they'll remember that somebody gave me a solution. So she came in the crowd behind him, saying to herself. Some translation says she kept on saying to herself. She kept on repeating this phrase. She kept on just kind of rehearsing this phrase to herself. She kept saying to herself, if I just touch his clothes, I'll get well. If I can just touch his clothes, I'll get well. If I can just get close enough to touch his clothes, I'll get well. If I can just touch his clothes, I'll get well. If I can get through this crowd and finally make my way to him and touch his clothes, I will be well. See, in most cases, the power of laying on of hands is tied to the expectation of the recipient. You remember, you remember that if if I were to read this whole passage, especially if I go go and read the whole thing from Mark, the Bible says when Jesus turned around and said, "Who touched me?" Remember what the disciples said? They said, "Everybody's touching you." Why wasn't everybody getting healed? Why wasn't everybody shouting, "Oh my goodness, that, that pain is gone"? Why wasn't, why wasn't everybody around him just scream, "Oh my gosh, I, I don't I feel better"? Oh my goodness, my head's not hurt anymore. Because exp- the, the power of laying on of hands, most of the time, is tied to the expectation of the recipient. See, the woman that had this issue of blood had her expectation tied to touching Jesus, and she received. Now, we know that you don't have to touch Jesus to receive. Because remember when the centurion came out there to him, and he said, I got a servant at home that's sick. And Jesus said, okay, I'll go to your house then. He said, whoa, 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 he said, I'm not worthy of you to come to my house. He said, I understand authority. <laughs> I tell this servant, go there, and he goes. I tell another one, go here, and he goes. All you got to do is say the word. What he say? I know you have authority over sickness and disease. All you have to do is say the word, and I know my servant will be healed. So you don't have to have Jesus physically touch you. You don't have to have a pastor or another Christian physically touch you Amen. to be healed. But the power of laying on of hands is most often tied to the expectation of the recipient. Some people have expectation when hands are laid on them. Other people don't. And all these years I've been praying for people. Sometimes that's why we tell people, put your your purse down, please. Because if you've got a a, a bag on your shoulder, most times you're more concerned about making sure you don't lose your purse. So most times we tell people, just sit your, your purse down in front of you. Most times I tell people, close your eyes and lift your hands. What am I trying to do? I'm trying to get their mind off of me. I'm not the healer. Come on, somebody. I'm George. (laughs) George is not the healer. Jesus is the healer. And if they got their attention on George or whoever the human being is, then they're going to end up missing the real power which comes from Jesus Christ. So one of the things I'm constantly trying to do before I end up actually praying for somebody is see if I can work with them to get their attention off of me. And over on to the one who actually has the power to heal. Give me an amen, somebody. Amen. Now, some people, even some Christians, doubt that laying on of hands actually works because they don't see everybody healed instantly. Can I, can I give you an example here in Scripture? The Bible says this. Remember, we just read this in, in, in Mark. It says that believers shall lay hands on sick and they shall recover. If you look up the phrase shall recover, it's a, a Greek phrase, echo kalos, echo kalos. And it literally means they shall be well. And it, it indicates, watch this, if you look it up, it indicates a mending process, which means it's not always instantaneous. Just because the results of the healing don't show up instantaneously doesn't mean that healing's not happening. Come on, stay with me, somebody. Uh, I'm I'm trying to take my time and teach you a lesson right here. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. In Mark chapter 8, verse 22, it says, They came to Bethsaida, where some people brought a blind man to Jesus, and they begged him to do what? Come on, they begged him to do what? Come on, they begged him to do what? Obviously, they and or this man had their faith tied to Jesus touching him. Jesus took the blind man by the hand, and watch this. He led him out of the village. Now, we can ask ourselves, why did he lead him out of the village? I don't know for sure, but I would assume my, 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 my guess would be he's trying to get him away from the doubters. There's something, I don't know what it is. I, I, I can't explain it, but several times before Jesus performed a miracle, anybody that didn't believe, he said, get out of here. Remember, he went to Jairus' house. He put, he put everybody out of the house. Everybody except the mom and dad. He told everybody that was crying and all of you got here, so he put all of them out of the house before he raised the girl from there. He takes the blind man, leads him out of the city, and then the next thing says, watch this, after spitting on the man's eyes. I told you last, week we would have lost half the church right there. <laughs> now You want me to tell you, 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 ever, you ever wonder why he spit in this man's eyes? You want me to tell you why he spit in this man's eyes? I have no idea why he spit in this man's eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Why. When you get to heaven, you can ask Jesus, "What? Why did you spin that man's eyes? That was cold." Boy. <laughs> then he places his hands on this guy's eyes and he asks him, "Can you see anything?" Now watch this. Jesus put his hands on him. How many know Jesus is anointed? How many know Jesus spent immense time in the presence of God? How many know watch this? There's never been anybody on the planet more anointed than Jesus. After he put his hands on him, he asked him, can you see anything? The man looked up and he says, yes, I can see people, but they look like trees walking around. Now, he had to have been able to see before because how would you know what trees look like? They look like trees walking around. Everybody's elongated. I can see, but it's not clear. Watch that. I want you to get to verse 25. This is going to bless your life. Jesus again placed his hands on the man's eyes. This time the man looked intently. His eyesight returned and he saw everything clearly. Can we just get free here for a moment? Even Jesus, the Son of God, the most anointed person to ever walk the face of the earth, laid hands on this blind man two times before he fully recovered. If Jesus laid hands on this guy twice before he was able to see clearly, maybe it's possible that when I lay hands on somebody, there's a power that goes into them, but it may be okay if it doesn't happen instantaneously. Maybe it's a process sometimes. See, healing anointing is like electricity. Once it gets released, it goes to work on the sickness. When you prayed in faith, healing is released into that body. In our, old, in our last building, if you, some of you remember the, the building we used to be in at 89, Lone Star, we had three different types of lights in our auditorium. We had a light switch on the back wall that, if you hit that switch, lights came on immediately. We had another set of lights that were studio lights like these for TV. And they were controlled by a light lighting panel in the booth where you had to turn the, panel, the, 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 the power on the panel, and you had to fade those up. Then we had a third set of lights in there that were gymnasium lights, old-school gymnasium lights. And they had a light switch as well, but when you hit the switch, nothing happened immediately. When you hit the switch, you might have heard a little, and you might have looked up, you might have saw a little small flicker. But it wasn't enough light for you to start walking around playing basketball. And sometimes it could take three minutes, five minutes, seven minutes while the lights were coming on. But how many know the moment you hit the switch, the power was coming? Here's what so many many believers do in that situation in the spirit. They hit the switch, the power's flowing. They don't feel anything different. The lump's still there. They go to the doctor two days later, they say, we still see it. And they say, oh, it didn't work. In other words, to turn the switch back off. What God is trying to teach us, no, 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 no. When you turn the switch on, just just keep the switch on. Just let the power continue to flow and continue to confess every day after that that healing is operating in my body. Come on, healing is flowing in my body. Start thanking God every day from that moment on. See, to anoint is to smear with something. To be anointed by God is to have God smeared on you, which happens in his presence. We use oil, watch this, that has been prayed over and dedicated to God to symbolize God being smeared on us. Mark chapter 6 says, they, the disciples, went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and they anointed many sick people with oil and they healed them. James chapter 5 verse 13 says, are any of you suffering hardship? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You ought to sing some praise songs. Is anybody sick? Watch this. You should call for the elders of the church. Elder simply means mature believers to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. The Lord will make you well. And if you've committed any sins, you will be forgiven. You ought to praise God for that, man. The Bible's telling us what to do right here. Then it says if you're sick, then sit around and start complaining and, and start, you know, you know, moaning and, and just talking about how bad life is. So that if you're sick, call for the elders of the church. Call for the elders to come to you. Or if you're in the building, have one of the elders of the church pray for you, man. And again, an elder doesn't have to be somebody who is called Elder Davis. It simply means somebody who's who's who, all it really means is somebody who actually believes in the power of God. You can be a brand new Christian and pray for somebody that's sick. Over in Exodus chapter 30, God instructed Israel to create an anointing oil so they could sanctify, which means to set apart the things that were holy. He literally told them to take that oil and put it on the podium. Take that oil and put it on the lamps. Take that oil and everything that was supposed to be sanctified and holy to God, he told them to take that oil and put that oil on those different things. Throughout Scripture, oil is symbolic of the anointing. There's nothing, hear me out, there's nothing magical about oil. Which is why we don't have to get caught up in what type of oil did you use? What what kind of oil is that you got? What kind of oil you got? (laughs) Most times we end up using olive oil. But can I tell you, if you had to, you could use coconut oil. If you ain't got no coconut oil, use baby oil. You don't have any of that? I mean, heat up some of that Crisco and that big old. (laughs) When... it, it, (laughs) When it, when it cools off, you're going to have a little white spot on your head, but <laughs> the type of oil is not the issue. However, God's presence, watch this, when invited, will lie resident in the tangible oil. I brought, I brought the examples of the oil I have. This, this is a bottle of oil I keep here at the church. Nothing special about it. It's probably olive oil. I'm not, I'm not certain. It's probably olive oil, but what I've done is laid my hands on it and say, Father, I thank you this oil is representative of your anointing. And, Father, I thank you that everything, every person I put this oil on, let it be a reminder that you are right here smeared on whatever it is and that your presence, come on, your presence is more powerful than any demonic force, any sickness or disease, anything that the enemy could try to bring our way. So I have this bottle I keep here at the, at the church, and I have this one that I brought off my, my, out of my office, and it's just a, a bottle of extra virgin olive oil, nothing special about it being extra virgin olive oil the point I'm making is it's just a bottle of oil not from a special store I didn't buy it from a prophet and, and to paid $99.99 <laughs> it's, a, it's a regular bottle of oil from the grocery store Publix oil, Publix oil right here it's regular oil until I pray over this oil and I, hear me out I didn't have to take it to somebody at the church to pray for it either we don't mind praying for it if you want us to you can pray over your own oil and that oil will be just as annoying if you prayed over it as it would be if we prayed over it. See, oil placed on the body of a believer, hear this out. It clarifies in the spirit realm that this is a person of covenant. They are set apart in covenant with God, and Satan has no right placing sickness or disease upon their body. Let's wrap up with this Exodus chapter 12. Moses called all the elders of Israel together and he said to them Go pick out a lamb or a young goat for each of your families. Slaughter the Passover animal. Drain the blood into a basin. Then take a bundle of hyssop branches. Dip it into that blood. Brush the hyssop across the top and the sides of the door frames of your houses. Nobody can go out through the door until the morning time, for the Lord's going to pass through the land to strike down the Egyptians. But when he sees the blood on the tops and the sides of the doorframe, the Lord will pass over your home. He will not allow the death angel to enter into your house to strike you down. Listen to this, man. This, this will bless you. The blood of an animal caused the death angel to pass over the homes of the Israelites. How much more will the blood of Jesus do even greater things than that? I want to challenge you, man. I want to challenge everyone. You go out and get you a little bottle of oil. Pray over that oil. And you anoint everything that you know you needed to be turned around a little bit. You got sickness in your body, take a little oil, put it on your own head, man. Take a little oil, you can put it on. If there's a, a area that's private on your, your, your back, your side, your breast, when you buy yourself, you put that oil there, man. And the oil is just a symbol that God is smeared here. God is welcome here. Take that oil. Every time we buy a brand new car for us or our kids, I, I go out there with this bottle of oil, man. I don't do, I don't do it out there in public to try to make a spectacle. In the garage, just put a little oil in the car. And I'm just saying, angels of God, everywhere this car goes, I'm expecting you to do your job. have an expectation man you got a kid that is drifting you ain't got to get spooky with them but when they got when they gone out of the house go in that bedroom man put a little dose on that pillow Hmm? they'll lay down they won't know why they're laying down man and and god is tugging at their heart in their sleep there's nothing magical about the oil the oil just symbolizes god is welcome here First Thessalonians 5 23 says now may God himself the God of peace make you pure Belonging only to him may your whole self. Everybody say my whole self, my whole self. Come on. Everybody say my whole self, my whole self. Now he's going to define for you what your whole self is your spirit And your soul and your what my. and your body may your whole self be kept safe and without fault When the Lord Jesus Christ comes in other words, God wants your whole being to be well we think of wellness we tend to think of just these bodies but see the healing provided by jesus on the cross is effective for our entire being what jesus did on the cross will heal your body it'll heal your soul and it'll cure your spirit as well god will heal us of mental emotional and relational pain here it is if we're willing to yield the trauma to him You don't have to limp around for the rest of your life, man. You don't have to limp around and and blame everything that you do that's dysfunctional on what your dad did, man. You don't have to spend the rest of your life saying, I'm like this because of. Mama abandoned me. Mama didn't tell me she loved me. We understand. It did scar you. But there's a healer who can heal that scar. There's counseling that can help us work through the traumatic thoughts. But the one that reaches down and touches the deep recesses of our heart Jesus, but he can't heal something we're still trying to nurture. If that trauma has become our badge, it's what gets us some attention. It what allows other people to have shock value when we say stuff that's outlandish. God can't heal something that you're enjoying hanging on to. you got to be willing to take your trauma and say, Lord, I know I've been promiscuous, but that's not how you created me. I know, Lord, I I end up doing stuff, and in in my heart of hearts, I really don't want to be that way. I know my identity's gotten all confused and mixed up. That's not what I want, God. So I'm willing to take this trauma put it on the altar. And I'm asking you, Lord, touch in a place that only you can touch. Heal in a way that only you can heal. And I'm so grateful that I serve the one who is the healer. Hallelujah. If you need healing in your body or in your soul or even in the deep recesses of your spirit, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet right there. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. We have all needed healing at one time or another. I'm going to ask all of us, find somebody who is standing. Even those of you that are standing, find you somebody you can put, lay your hands on as well. Put your hand on their shoulder, on their arm in some appropriate place. Make sure we don't miss anybody. If you've got to put your hands on two people, put your hands on a couple people, man. The Bible says these signs will follow the believing ones. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Let's, let's release some spiritual electricity in these bodies right now. I want you to open up your mouth and speak to those bodies. Command them by the authority of Jesus Christ to be well. Go ahead and begin praying for them right now. Father, we thank you. We love you. And we release our faith right now, declaring that your healing power is flowing in these bodies from the crown of their head to the very soles of their feet. Father, whether it is physical healing that they need or whether it is emotional pain that they're needing to be delivered from, We speak life and health and healing over them now. Body be healed. Body be whole. Body be well. Father, we ask you to take the broken pieces of their heart and mend it back together again. Stitch it together in a way that only you can. Father, we curse that trauma from their past. We curse that trauma from that relationship. We curse that trauma, Lord God, from how they were treated or mistreated. And in the name of Jesus, we refuse to nurture it any longer. But we lay it at your feet right now, Father. And we ask you, Lord, God, to heal that thing. Heal that bitterness. Heal that unforgiveness, Lord. We surrender the hurt to you. And we ask you, Lord, God, to touch in a way that only you can. Father, we ask you to heal that place of grief. We know it's a natural part of life, but we refuse to let it dictate our life and dictate our future. So we surrender it to you, Lord God. And we say thank you that from the top of our head to the soles of our feet that you are healing us right now. We turn on the switch of faith and we begin to believe at this moment that your healing power is flowing in us and through us. And right now we thank you that it is so. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, lift your voice. You've got a shout of praise. Come on, lift your voice and praise him.
1: Lift your voice and praise Him. Lift your voice and praise Him.
0: has done something for you the most appropriate thing in the world to do is to thank them. so if you actually believe that god just invaded your body and your mind and your emotions to start a healing process i want you to take about 30 seconds just thank him in your own way come on just thank him come on we thank you lord <laughs> Man, that was really nice of you, God. Thank you so much. I I really appreciate that, God. Wow, thank you, Lord, so much. Oh, we appreciate it, God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you're amazing, God. Now, hear me out. Don't turn the light switch off. I didn't say don't go to the doctor. I didn't say stop taking your medicine. I said don't turn the light switch off. Don't let the pain... Or the new doctor's report tell you it didn't work. Every day you get up. You don't have to ask God to do it again. You already asked him. If you believe he did it, there's no need to ask him again. Now every day you get up, just thank you. Thank you, Lord, I am healed. Even when you get pain pain in my side. Thank you, Lord, I'm I'm healed. I've already received my healing. No matter what new evidence gets introduced, you continue to thank God that what happened in here today at 9.17 a.m., is still working no matter what it looks like or feels like. One more time. Give them a shout of Thanksgiving. Amen. All right. Every head is bowed. All eyes are closed. If you're in this place today and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to pray for you. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're not going to ask you to come up here to the front of the church right there at your seat or right there in line. I want to lead you in a really simple prayer, but it's a powerful prayer that will change your life forever if you believe with all your heart. See, Jesus did the hard part. He went to the cross. He died for our sins. God raised him from the dead. When he came out of that grave, salvation was made available to us. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to promise all the things you'll stop doing. All you have to do fully is surrender your life all the way to Jesus Christ. Give him the best you have. And God will take you right there make a miracle out of your life. So if you're here in this room or if you're online, you're not saved, but you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus today. I'm going to count to three in just a moment. When I get to three, shoot your hand up, but raising your hand, you're saying, yes, George, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. Yes, pastor, I'm ready to surrender to him. Yes, I'm ready to take that next step and give it all over to him and start this brand new journey with him. When I get to three, don't wait because the devil's going to try to talk you out of it. If something on the inside is tugging at your heart, that's the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and say yes to him. Shoot your hand up as high as you can. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift your hand if that's you. Thank you. See that hand there? Thank you. Another hand there? Thank you. Another hand there? Beautiful. Thank you, sir. Another hand right there? Beautiful. Thank you. Another hand there? Thank you. Another hand there in the back. Come on, all over the room. Hands are going up. Anybody else want to join us? Thank you. See that hand there? Beautiful. Yes, I want Jesus. Yes, I'm ready to surrender to Him. Anybody else before we pray? I'm getting ready to pray. then after we pray, I'm going to ask everybody. Don't don't leave out just yet. Just wait for the final benediction, please because there is always a blessing in, in staying to the end those of you that raise your hand whisper this prayer out loud just loud enough for you to hear it and God to hear it say dear God in heaven thank you for Jesus Christ thank you that he saved me right now in this moment because he died for my sins and I'm surrendering my life to him so Jesus come into my heart now come into my life now save me now I turn away from sin, and I make a decision to live the rest of my life serving you. And according to the Bible, I am right now born again. Amen. Come on, put your hands together and pack.